The Persistent and Nasty Podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalised voices in theatre, film and beyond. From actors to activists, we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty. Hello you gorgeous law and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty Podcast. Elaine here, how are you all doing? I hope that you are looking after yourselves, um, not doom scrolling because I know that's what I've been doing this week. Wow, what a week. Um, so many things to say and talk about, uh, what has been going on over this last week, um, not just in Scotland and the UK, but in the world, um, obviously with everything that's happening in America, with uh, Roe versus Wade, and the kind of feeling that I think all of us are feeling of, we move forward, we feel that we are being open, and open to everyone, and intersectional, and those that can't deal with that really are pushing back. But I just want to say to everyone, we don't stop fighting, we keep going. And together, if we work together, all of us, we can make change, we will make change, and things will be better. Today's episode is a bit of a different one for you. We are revisiting a few different episodes and re-listening to the wisdom and insight of previous guests along with our favourite question, what does persistent and nasty mean to you? Today, you're going to hear from Georgie Banks-Davies, Ashley Hayes, Kate Dickey, Nellie Kelly, Kira Jones, Patricia Panther, Kate Welsh and Debbie Hannon. A real collection of amazing humans, all talking about different things. Um, Most of these were recorded in 2020 and 2021, so at various points throughout the pandemic. um, Obviously, there's different changes in sound quality for everyone, depending on what their Zoom connection was like at the time. Um, But everybody's insights are just so spot on and the joy of listening to everyone say what the phrase persistent and nasty means to them again was just so wonderful for me to um, re-listen to and hear and I know it's going to be the same for all of you. I think there's some things in here that kind of make me go oh we're two years on in some ways and things still haven't changed but then there are other things that I'm like oh we're two years on and things are changing. So I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Please let us know. You can contact us on all social media, Twitter at Persistent Nasty, Instagram at Persistent and Nasty, Facebook Persistent and Nasty. Send us a wee email to persistentandnasty at gmail.com. You can also follow Louise and I um, on social media platforms also. Louise is Ms. Louise Oliver at, I did it again, I do it all the time at Ms. Louise Oliver on both Twitter 
and Instagram. And I am at Elaine Stirrett on Twitter and Elaine.Stirrett on Instagram. For today's episode, I say whatever you bloody well want. Um, tea, coffee. Oh, it started with tea. That's weird. I always end with tea. I'll still end with tea, don't worry. Maybe it's a herbal tea you're going to have. Um, wine, something fizzy, a nice fruit juice, maybe a cocktail, homemade cocktails. I mean, might tip you over the edge. Actually, that's a little reminder that in um, my chat with Nelly, I am a bottle of wine down. So <laughs> good luck with that, everybody. Um, <laughs> I say for today's episode... Just go for it. But you know, you can always just have a good old cup of tea. Sit back, relax and enjoy. And filmmaking is mad. You know, it's like literally it's, it takes hours and hours and hours and you you have no life. You just write off your life for however long it is. And you you just, you form these such strong relationships work relationships friendships you know camaraderies and like really it you really go through things together you know the levels of exhaustion the levels of like neurosis the levels of like energy and 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 if you can kind of get into that formation together and it's very and i i guess i learned the lesson again quite recently but the energy and it's it's a lesson that i didn't sort of didn't want to accept because it's almost too much too much weight but the energy that you project at the top will seep down and it's a lot of responsibility but basically if you are inspiring and energetic and positive and always projecting forward your team will come with you and that and the reason why that's a lot of responsibility is because some days you wake up and you're like i can't fucking do that added on to like the stress of like what i've got to do today and the scene and you know, and you feel inward and you feel maybe you're sick and you're tired and you're angry and things aren't working. But you realise again really quickly that if that's projected, the energy from the top down is the same. And it's it's a horrible power, but also a brilliant power, <laughs> you know, but it, it, it's, I may be making it sound bigger than it is, but over a long sort of period of time and, and um, it, it it's... Yeah, it's really important that you can be vulnerable as well as a director and that you can at times be like tired or angry or pissed off about something or, you know, or just at the end. Because if you've been sort of generous and gracious with your team, they'll be right there, like basically putting your arms right over their shoulders and pulling you up. But if you haven't, they won't. (laughs) They'll let you sink. Yeah, that's... I love it. That's what needs to happen in oh. the industry as a whole, though. Overall, like mm-hmm. we just, if we can we need to have each other's back, each other, then it's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I am so aware, Georgie, that like it's Saturday afternoon and you're giving up your time for us, and like we're at an hour. Like, <laughs> no worries. Although I'm like, I want to talk more and more and more. But um, what does persistent and nasty mean to you? <laughs> well, I think persistent is sort of inherently like my mo it's like what you have to be if you want to achieve anything really that you're passionate about along with probably a few other things like curiosity and tenacity but persistence is like you got it don't give up no one's gonna hand you anything you're only gonna hand it to yourself so be persistent at all times it's it's a it's a great mantra i think is a word 
and and nasty it's like you said i mean trump has made it the best world word in the world because i mean if these incredible phenomenal powerful uh, inspiring women are nasty then sign me up you know that's what i want to be that's that's the word that i want to own it's like it belongs to me too if it belongs to them you know let's own it what a wonderful Absolutely. way to be described Yay! <laughs> I love that. This is we, so I true. love it. Um, think I might be a little bit in love with you, George. Just you know, <laughs> totally so, We've only just met. I mean, I know, but, but if I'm you like, went to the pub, I'd take you for a stop. drink, babe. Fully <laughs> <laughs> inspired. Totally. Yeah, if you, I can't if wait you to can to bring London. the Scottish weather. I know. <laughs> I'll, put on my, I'll put on my CNN bulletproof vest, right? <laughs> for the cold. <laughs> when I'm in London, I wouldn't drink and I want you to tell me the Hezbollah story because you know, <laughs> you know that's for another time <sighs> war stories <laughs> the good old days <laughs> war um, stories of old <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to hear them all um Georgia you're fucking brilliant and uh, oh, well, oh it's very kind of you thank you that, yeah, so grateful that um, we got this chance to chat to you and um can't wait to see uh I hate Susie I mean, yes, let me know what you think. Fans already. I can tell I'm going to love it. So, um, well, even if you don't, I want to hear the good, the bad, and everything in between. So, yeah, I that's will. the only I'll... way you learn, you know? <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. It's really great to chat. I'm so I just, I never stop talking. So, I'm sorry if it's like, it's gorgeous. It's brilliant. <laughs> Please do not. Yeah. It was absolutely gorgeous. Misha and I have got to attempt to try and do our little sign off now together, which is ridiculous. <gasps> wait, wait for this. <laughs> Honestly, I'm excited. I'm it's excited. like we should just give up, but it's no, we're not giving up because every time up. it's hilarious. It hilarious. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening and, and stay, stay nasty. nasty. We fucking got it in time. <laughs> See, when I, on my end, it sounds like I said it and then you said it, but if no, it's like I, no, too... you said it together, it was great. I mean, take one, we're done, let's move on. <laughs> One Take Wonders. She's so nasty. My little podcast for creatives. Um, it really is. It's always like my work is always for me first. And so I approached the podcast kind of after the story and smoke. Right. I was like, hey, y'all, I'm heartbroken. Let's figure out how to heal heartbrokenness together. And then after that, it's like, OK, so now that we've done that, let's figure out how to like be better creatives and and practice more courage when we do our work and how to really be honest in our work and how to be ourselves and how to figure out who our audience is and who we're talking to. And so it really has morphed into this thing where, you know, I say I teach self-mastery, business, and ethics. I want to teach you how to know who you are, be who you are. I want to teach you how to be better in business, but also how to be a better citizen of the world. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It, yeah, you are. Oh, thank you. No. Um, it's a great podcast. I was actually listening to yesterday. I was listening to the one about weed, um, with your yeah. pal. Yeah, <laughs> my best friend. Yeah, yeah. I was He's from London, actually. Ah, <laughs> oh, it was such. It was just. It doesn't have an accent, but yeah, he was born in the UK. Oh, was he born? Oh, it just. It was. Um, what I really loved about it was it was just two friends having a really honest conversation about a, a topic that people have a lot of opinions on mm-hmm. and, a lot and they vary <laughs> and they vary yeah and and what I really liked was um 
neither of you tried to diminish those other people's opinions, but you you just wanted to kind of go, this is our experience putting it out there. And I just thought it was really great and just really um and then my other one that I'd listened to the other day was the um the power of the, uh, the divine. I can't remember the full title of it. Um oh like alternate spirituality. I wonder if it was that one. Oh no no divine masculinity from toxic masculinity to divine, divine masculinity. masculinity. Yep, that was yes, that was good. That was good because I got to talk to a man about the terrible things men do, honestly and candidly. <laughs> and you know, Rashid Copeland is a poet out of DC and he does a lot of work on like teaching men emotional intelligence um, and how to do their own emotional work. So that was one of my favorite interviews for sure. Oh yeah, it's it's great it's again it's like another one I'm a bit like kind of feel that should be getting out at school yes like you know I <laughs> I created Hazel Tide Learning to teach the things you don't get at school yeah and imagine if you know like I get like home economics was like a thing right <laughs> but imagine if we spent a year or if we spent like an hour every semester or you know if it were somehow incorporated that just like you have gym, just like you have social studies, you have emotional intelligence, understanding who we are, how we feel, and how we interact with each other. And, you know, you may get that in college, but I didn't even get it there. I didn't get it until Mm -hmm. I started researching on my own and reading, like, the work of Brene Brown and reading the work of Bell Hooks. And Bell Hooks is a um, Black feminist essayist, and she writes about love um, between Black folks imagine if I had known you know what that meant and had definition and language so that's what I try to try to give to people yeah I I think it's just so so important and like that episode in particular for me I was like oh god if if you heard that at a young age and you're a guy and you're hearing this conversation about moving away from just I'm trying to think of dominance yeah uh And just um, how much that could change our society. It would change violence, you know, against women. Yeah. Because what, what Rashid and I found through our conversation and through our work is that masculinity and patriarchy is largely, largely upheld by dominance. Not mm-hmm. just power, because two people can have equal power, but specifically dominating another person. And that person is almost always women and children so we ask everybody at the end of the episode what the phrase persistent and nasty means to you it can be whatever comes to your mind persistent and nasty um like you're gonna keep going but you're also like gonna fuck some shit up on the way like that's kind of my thing it's like you know and I think about nasty you know it's it's not just nasty in like a sexual sense but like you know somebody can make like a nasty shot in basketball and you're like ooh, that was good <laughs> like I'm gonna be visible here but I'm always gonna be able to violate and upset the cultural norms that's what it speaks, speaks to for me big snaps we got snaps for me thank you <laughs> There's that ASMR snapping. We start and end yes, with the yes, ASMR. Yes. 
That is so cool. But yes, that is what it means. And I'm so glad that you all have this space. Thank you for inviting me to this space. Um, thank you listeners for giving me a moment to be a guest here. It's, it's been an amazing experience. Uh, thank you. And I'm going to come have coffee with you in Glasgow. Now I have a friend in Glasgow and yeah, I'm going to you know, <laughs> make a trip out there. I'll show you all the big shops. That's it. I'm so oh. excited. Don't threaten yeah. me with a good time. Yeah, but, oh, don't worry. We'll sort you out. It'll be good. Scottish, <laughs> people, can, Scottish people can party. We're good. Yeah. Elena That's did a party. I have, heard, I have heard that y'all can drink under a table. Okay. <laughs> You know, I actually can. I'm a really weak drinker, but Elaine definitely Same, can. <laughs> I'm like, mm, that was a nice me, one. Right? <laughs> so I will be with her with like my Shirley Temple. Yeah, and we'll do. Yeah, we'll do the morning shifts. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and you guys can make sure that I get. But I gotta get some Irish cream. Y'all do that well, oh, and I'll have oh, yeah, some yeah. of that. <sighs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> we will get you sorted, Ashley. Do not worry. Um, Ashley Hayes, thank you so much. Um, also, people can hear Smoke on Spotify. Yep, Spotify, Tidal, um, Amazon Music. It is everywhere music is found. Apple Music, iTunes. You can and buy you can it, download it, Ashley's beautiful voice, <laughs> giving her amazing poetry and just... Um, like in particular I just have to say this the one where you dedicate it to all the women that you've known him is that one him yes thank you so um, good yeah, yeah. I was like goosebumps listening to it I was like whoo yeah actually I'm getting thank emotional you. just thinking about it because oh, first thing wow. I heard it, it really like it really got oh I'm gonna cry it really got me it was just yeah really beautiful so thank you so much Ashley for your time and yeah Thank you all so much. Yeah, him is on YouTube. That's my little baby. Um, I directed that video myself. And um, yeah, you can listen to the whole book on Audible. Um, I try to speak softly so you can listen to it while you ride or while you're at home. So yeah, thank you all so, so much. Make sure you support Persistent and Nasty wherever they are and whatever you all are doing. You all have been great hosts, Elaine and Misha. Thank you so much. And I always sign off telling people to hydrate, moisturize, mind your business, and wash your damn hands. So hopefully your <laughs> listeners will listen to me. I actually, listen to that. I actually thought because you had done quite a lot of M's there, I was waiting on Masturbate because that came up in a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I should add that to the next version of this shirt. I like this. Hydrate, moisturize, masturbate, wash okay, your hands, your business, and fuck off. And mind your business. Mind your business. <laughs> mind your business. I like, I like mind your business. If you enjoy the Persistent and Nasty podcast and support the work that we do, please like, download, subscribe and review each episode. It really does help us get our message out and our incredible guests heard to as many people as possible. Or, or the way I see it is people end up getting attracted to very extreme ways because they are fed up of not having their voice heard. And it's not quite as simple as going, you're a racist. Yes, that is, you are a racist, say, but there's also in your eye, you get plenty of people who are intelligent enough not to be racist, say, but you've also got a large number of people, I believe, who are desperate, marginalised, have had no voice, have had been ignored for years and are looking for any change. And that, you know, any change is better than this now, you know, and I just... I just think like someone like Alexandra is just like a beacon of hope and if she could be 
precedent, like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like, you know, I'd like people to sort of aspire to being a good role model. Remember them? Mm. Remember them? <laughs> I just think now the politicians don't even care. They know that we don't, that we know it's a lie. They're not even ashamed. It's like, it's so eroded. They don't care. Yeah. Oh, anyway, because I'm here to talk about my films. I'm so sorry. No, no, you're here to talk about whatever you want. Yeah, and this is I didn't know it was this. I didn't know it was this. We basically we say it's a, per, a performing arts intersectional feminist. Oh, podcast. I'll have to come back and talk about my films, part no. two, where I do not get political and I talk about character studies and <laughs> how I do my process because I do actually have some. I don't know if they would be even helpful, but kind of tips of how I do character building and stuff like that, which might have been well, I think that helpful. Just part two, well, that it? does mean that we're going to have to do a part two. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Oh, but I'm, I'm sorry for that one. No, no, because this is what happens on our podcast, and that's actually what we love, because we could make it really structured and we could talk about your films and all that, but actually as performers and creatives life affects us and it, like it yeah. affects everybody and then it can seep into our art and how we see yeah. things and that's just as important yeah. it's so vital that um though that is heard so, yeah yeah and I think probably more well I'm saying more so than now because as we've been talking about we're off that kind of you know hamster wheel of just doing your day and kind of this is how it is and we're all you know, and you've had half a time to sit back and reflect on on top of, you know, movements like Black Lives Movement, Me Too Movement, movement, I say that for once in my life, I actually feel like there's change happening that hopefully could be actual change mm-hmm. and not someone in my generation who just thought we had to, you know, make ourselves a shape that fitted as best as our society was and just rail and put up with it. Like, me too has opened my eyes so much of going, oh, 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 you mean, like, it doesn't have to be like this. Like, actually, it could change. It's not like we just kind of go, and everyone goes, oh, I'd be feminist, and then we all go back to the way it was. Like, I feel like changes are afoot, changes are happening, things are not being accepted as much, and it gives me hope. I've got a lot of hope. So we'll finish on the hope rather yeah. than the rant. Uh, I did actually want to say you had a premiere for a film, your Zoom premiere last week. Was it for um, Our Ladies? No, it was actually for a film called Minari that I said I would go to. I wasn't in it actually. Oh, I thought I was like, oh, I was like, is it what is it? Because Our Ladies is coming out soon. Yeah, it is. It was actually I did have another premiere um, this week for uh, for Glasgow Film Festival for a film I've done called Under Gods by a director called Chino Moya, and it's like a really dark, dark, humorous kind of dystopian tale. It's kind of these vignettes of people's lives, but there's little threads that kind of connect these people and. But it's dark, um, but yeah, Chino was great. So that's on actually, I think it might still be available uh, as part of Glasgow Film Festival. But no, I went to see Minari, a beautiful Korean film, um, because it was A24 that were part of that and they were part of The Witch. So 
I'd say I would go to that. So it was fun and we do the at home thing, you get a box of snacks, like you know, we had like yeah. So we just ate and had fun. One more thing before we finish, Kate, we like to ask everybody who comes on the podcast what persistent and nasty means to you. So background, the reason that we picked it was we took the quote, nevertheless, she persisted about Elizabeth Warren and we reclaimed the word nasty because we're all about reclaiming those words because it talks about Trump and uh, he called Hillary. Yes. Oh, well, he called that. He calls every woman nasty. nasty. I mean, yeah. every single woman is nasty. If you're so Trump. we reclaiming that. So yeah, Kate Dickey, what does persistent and nasty mean to you? Persistent and nasty to me means living a life the way you want to be, taking up the square that you inhabit and using that square and literally doing what you want to do in life. Um, And I don't mean that in a way of being persistent. I just mean literally like being who you are, literally be who you are. And if people don't like it, they can fuck right off, basically. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I'm so love talking to you, girls. It's like, oh god, more or less. I'm like, I talk about being antisocial, and then I'm like, blah, 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 blah. so um, no, it's great. Uh, oh, great. We've enjoyed talking to you. It's been fabulous. We'll definitely. Oh, it's been great. Yeah, we must. I'm just pacing the living room a lot, so I feel interested with lots of different stuff. And I think, yeah, I didn't realise it was all inside me waiting to come out. So thank you for listening, everyone, and you. She's so nasty. Oh my God, Nelly. I could talk to you for literally ever. I loved it. I've had a great night. Yeah, it's so great. Plus, I I am nearly a bottle of Rosie down, and it's all good. Um, before we finish, I think there's a couple of things, like there's two questions I want to ask you. So one of them is, what does persistent and nasty mean to you? Which we've, we've been asking loads of people about. And then the other one is, who is your, um, beacon of hope? There we go. Yeah. Uh, so persistent and nasty to me I, I mean I think like everything that I associate it with queer all the good things I associate with queer culture um, yeah I think particularly with all the kind of stuff that trans people are facing right now uh, persistent is a really like hopeful term for me because I feel like yeah we just are like we're not going away Um and persistently supporting particularly trans femme people who are in much more danger, um, trans people of colour. Yeah, it feels like a positive term. What we're talking about, anger as an energy, like mm-hmm. persistent is associated with that for me. Yeah. Using, using that anger to, to make sure that, that we're counted and that people are given space and yeah. to just live, <laughs> just to live a safe life yeah that's what persistent means um and nasty for me kind of feels like that shake up of it like what what i do with um please gay where i mean 
the act that I do with Crazy Gate is vulgar. Like it is vulgar. Um, yes. I think I think the thing about it is part of my part of experiencing queer joy for me is like the fact you can just do that. Like mm. the people who hate you are already hating you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you can't you just get away with it. Like, especially if you're making queer work in queer spaces. Like we're all getting paid fifty quid if you're lucky. And it's by queer <laughs> people. Like we totally facilitate our own art all the time. So you get to yeah. just do what you want. It's nasty for me makes me think of like like queer theory, which is one of my favourite nights that happens in Glasgow and nice and sleazy. Just some of the stuff that you see. It's like yeah. I love it. I love it. I love filth. Yeah. And who doesn't? Really? <laughs> yeah. And then beacon, beacon. Your beacon of hope. See, a beacon's really hard because I think, I think I kind of have it, can I have two beacons of hope? Absolutely. So I have my beacon of hope that like keeps me going. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. So basically I've just kind of looked at you and gone, I'm asking Nelly about beacon of hope because it just feels right. Yeah. So yeah, go for it. So I've got Who? like my 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 guided light, mm-hmm. which is the absolutely incredible Joe Clifford. I'm just like you were like the stuff that I oh, we love you. She was doing ten years ago, in a much scarier climate, and I'm just like she's came out the other end as this like beautiful, amazing. Yeah. lovely person and I just kind of yeah I look at her and I go no matter how bad it gets like you are and as well because she is so generous with her time to me like she's really mm-hmm. really generous um, and she guides me quite a lot in a very practical sense but I just always look at her and I think like you are this lovely so I feel like yeah. at the end of it all I'm not going to be a horrible terrible shell of a goblin person mm-hmm. um, never <laughs> I think you sometimes feel like that when you have like so much uh, negative stuff coming at you. You think I just could turn into this like horrible thing because that weighs down on you, and you just want yeah. to be like, yeah, I'm going to be an asshole to everyone. Um, so she, yeah, and sometimes she kind of says stuff where like she won't like check me, but she'll just say a thing about like this is so filled with love that I'm like going to remind myself like that I can I just cannot let it totally take over me and make me want to go and like just drag everybody out their heads and batter them <laughs> she's my big she's she's the one that keeps me morally in check and gives me hope that I'll, I'll remain a good person and then the well, other you are the other beacon of hope is just like younger people in general like I love young people and like they're so like on point and really oh like my god yeah just I think particularly when I work with younger people, I'm like, I feel like I'm so embarrassed that I am not, like, for want of a better term, so often just pure woke. And I'm like, that is not me. I feel like I'm pure granny when I'm beside them. Like, oh, if you feel like a granny, I am like a great granny then. And I'm always like, I'm a guys. But it's exciting. Like, I feel like, you know. I love it. Yeah. They give me, they give me hope. The younger generation really inspire yeah. me, and their passion and their fight for justice. Yeah. Like they I remember, believe so I remember much. 
going to see, I think a beautiful moment with theatre and like hope was going to see Johnny McKnight's panto. It was like the gay couple, it was beautiful. Yeah. And Molly was, oh my God, Molly was crying through the whole thing. Yeah. But it was like this like adorable wee group of girls behind us and like the whole time he's like not telling his mum and they're only like, they were about six just screaming like, yeah, tell them you're gay, tell like, and just things like that and I'm just like, that. Like, it's just, it gives me a lot of hope. And the like, last two years at Johnny McKnight's panel in the Tron, this is the Tron Theatre for those of you that are listening, like, um, so he had a gay relationship and then a lesbian relationship. How often do we see drag king? And I was, I was loving it. Loving Sally's it. drag Absolutely. king was, Sally Reed. Um, drag queen was outstanding and also Lauren the two, the in two her in the, the muscle suits <gasps> Hannah and Daisy yes 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 it was, yeah. oh, I was living for it living I was, for it as well because things like that give me hope I'm like because I always kind of think there's no chance my work is ever going to be taken seriously and then I kind of see things like that and I'm like I'm like this is really good this, yeah. is, this is absolutely I, why I need no, to it, a gay what man who gave a pantle over to six females and had drag and um, had a lesbian relationship at the heart of it. Yeah, but I remember, I remember going to see that pantle and just being like, all right, like, I just remember being a bit downhearted and then kicked myself up the arse, like, like, all this kind of, like, queer culture that could, could yeah. be put on stage um, with makes really great art and I need to like keep fighting for that. If you enjoy the Persistent and Nasty podcast and support the work that we do, please like, download, subscribe and review each episode. It really does help us get our message out and our incredible guests heard to as many people as possible. He just was like really mean and like didn't like my writing and all of this and she said so my pilot is a comedy but my feature is a drama and like the first thing she says to me she's like so I read your feature and like why is it a comedy I didn't expect it to be a drama why are you writing in different genres and I was like uh well because I want to and also I mean everybody else all the other reps I've spoken to didn't have a problem with it they were like these voices are still the same even though they're different genres and she was like well they're just lying to you because they want to sign you but I'm telling you the truth and like this industry is going to want you to choose your lane and you need to stay in it and she was just horrible to me this whole meeting and I'm like if I had been thirsty and signed with this person before I really did my due diligence and made him have a longer follow-up meeting I would have been stuck with this horrible lady and I remember going to Coverfly and telling them about this awful meeting I had and they're like oh no she's batshit insane like she has a horrible reputation in the industry and so like don't do remember that your reps work for you like you are paying them so if you don't like them and they're not a good fit for you like when you were going into those meetings those signing meetings the goal isn't for necessarily for you to impress them because they already like you if they're meeting with you they need to impress you like you need to be asking all of the questions that you need in order to feel comfortable working with this person potentially for the entirety of your career um and so I really went into those meetings like um, and oh, so just so you know, my webcam, I'm pretty sure is racist. It like thinks that I'm not a person. I like, I don't even, it's not even a joke when I say that. Cause there's like some technology that doesn't recognize people of color's faces. Oh <laughs> I think this might be the case. Yeah. Like they, they, uh, calibrated them to 
race recognize white people. So that's why, yeah. So that's, and it's been an issue because sometimes these facial recognition technologies that are supposed to help catch criminals and stuff, they will catch the wrong black person or the wrong person of color because they don't work on black people. But anyway, that was a complete, there's, I think there's, um, there's a documentary about it. I think it's called like coded bias or something. Um, but yeah, uh, but that was deep. Well, but I also forget so many times and you'd think after a hundred episodes I would remember that we're a podcast and not like a YouTube channel and the, um you know the people listening can't see my face yeah you can't see my face um but yes that was because my um my camera it gets blurry sometimes it goes out of focus and I it's just racism I think oh, um but um but when you're meeting with reps you have you don't be afraid to be to be blunt and to ask what it is that you need to know like uh, unfortunately the representation in particularly the management space like is is abysmal there are some I will say all of the agencies I met with, they had at least one agent of color on the team that they put together for me. So like agencies, you can more easily find a person of color uh, if you're looking for that. But for managers, it's like next to impossible. Out of the 15 managers I met with, like there was maybe like four people of color and they like didn't work out for any other number of reasons, like either they didn't uh, offer talent representation or I didn't like them or like they were too green and they weren't really ready to rep somebody um, who was where they are in, in my career. And so I like got to a point where I was like, I have, I'm going to, I had like a mental, a little like many, at least panic attack. I won't say mental breakdown. I had a mini panic attack when I realized like I will have to sign with a white person. I don't really have another option. Um, but I had, I went into those, those meetings and I was like, you're white. So I was going to put that out there. You're white. I'm not like, I need to know how you're going to, how you're going to advocate for me. Like, can you give me an example of how you advocated for, uh, one of your clients of color? And some of them were able to give me like really amazing answers. And I felt really comfortable with them. And some of them gave me really kind of like eh, answers. And some of them gave me like really problematic and offensive answers. So it's like, if I hadn't been bold enough to ask that question, maybe I would have signed with them and then found out the hard way that they don't have the wherewithal to the clock when um, somebody is being racist or, uh, queer phobic or you know whatever discriminatory to me and to like tell whoever that is that exec or, or whomever like hey you cannot treat my client like that um and that's part of their job so just like being being we're gonna use this this term over and over again I think in this in this session but being difficult is necessary so you don't get steamrolled over and so you can protect yourself in your work. I mean, I think That's, what we're also yeah. getting from this is that um, Kira Jones is power move queen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's never, nothing bad has ever happened for me making a power move. It's only only good thing. So um, as long as you're polite, as long as you are um, respectful when you're asking these things and saying these things, like what can they really say? Um, you know, it's really fucked up if they're like, well, I don't want to work with them again because they told me I'm white. You are white. <laughs> like, what do you mean? 
That's just a fact, babe. Yeah, it is. We're gonna try to get this to focus. Here we go. My goodness. Um, Yeah, it's just, and you know, this again, it comes back to relationships. It's like if you're not gonna understand my needs and you're not gonna be willing to, it's like, what? What are we doing here? We're not gonna benefit each other. You got it. And you know, yeah, it is on. It is on. Um, we we encounter it so much. Um, in the work that we do with persistent nasty, like the further up the chain you get, the whiter it gets as well. Um, in terms of people in positions of power. I mean, we're in Scotland, so it's pretty damn white. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, I can't. I can't even imagine. I um, particularly last summer when all the protests were happening here in the United States around police brutality and racism and basically everything a lot of writers a lot of people particularly black people were like let's move to other countries because this one's garbage it is garbage it's real bad um (laughs) and I remember going to a webinar that was about writing for television in, in other countries and it is just like I I would have to feel like I I feel like I'd have to move to a another country for a while and really absorb their culture in order to feel comfortable writing stories for and about them because that's the whole issue with what white people do is they come in and they write story, or white men or like I can write a woman or you know <laughs> white people are like yeah I can write this black television show and not have any black writers in my room and I don't want to do that to another culture but also I found out that television writing is not nearly as lucrative in other countries. I think it's like up to 10 times less uh, in terms of payment. So I was like, so I'm going to be poor and I'm not going to understand the culture. (laughs) So I guess I'm stuck in this terrible, terrible country until it burns to the ground, which it seems like it's well on its way right now. So. I would love to know if you're happy to share about your your feature and what it's kind of based around in your pilot and everything. That would be great. Yes, I'd love to. So my pilot, uh, which is the one that won the Nashville Film Festival Screenwriting Competition, placed in some other really great competitions as well, is called Good Vibes Only. Uh, and it's a comedy about uh, Black women and the orgasm gap. <laughs> um, so it is set in the PhD program at a predominantly white uh, institution. And it follows the two only, the only two Black women in that program. And they get assigned um, a project, a research project about the orgasm gap. And they end up doing that research at a black owned feminist sex shop. So I mean, I want the CDs now. I I want it now too. That's what I hear from a lot of folks, especially women, especially people of color, like, oh my God, um, please give it to me immediately. And so we're working on it. Um, That's been really fun to see the reception of of that. Uh, We're submitting that to festivals and uh, competitions has been really like head spinny because it's like one of two things happen especially when I get feedback um it's either like this is the best thing I've ever read this is amazing this needs to be a television show right now like women and people of color are going to feel so seen by this there's nothing on tv like it or they're like when I get a white man reader they're like what is this I hate it and it makes me uncomfortable three out of ten stars and I'm like what so 
Um, I uh, was actually one percent of the world population is going to be on the first side, though. Get it yeah. made. Get it made yeah. now. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there are definitely white men who love my script. So uh, I like. I mean, our showrunner on Woke is, is a white man, the best white man in the world. Love Anthony. Um, but when I go, went in for my meeting. He, he was so funny because it was just a room full of men. They weren't all white, but they were men. And he, he was the first person to say, he was like, welcome to this room of men. And I was like, okay. <laughs> not me. But it was funny because I was like, wait, you want, they were like, we loved your pilot. And I was like, you did? <laughs> um, so, so I think it, it does really just depend. I think it's just men re, who are realizing that they've never given a woman an orgasm in their whole life yeah that yeah. they are uncomfortable <laughs> and I made them feel uh called out and they didn't like it so yeah that's the pilot yeah. Dave the studio exec who gave three out of five stars was like I, I, my key question is what is an orgasm like that's the first question I have for you <laughs> She made, she made a noise once it was good <laughs> so clearly this show is needed for you too Dave because it, there's some education required there yeah yeah I mean there is a lot of education in in that pilot and in, in the intention I have for the full series because I my full-time job before I got stabbed on woke as I was a sex educator so it really comes from uh, the experiences that I had being in that space. And I was a sex educator at a college. I was uh, working at Northwestern University. So it is very much inspired by all the years I spent teaching extremely smart kids who were very dumb when it comes to sex. So, um, <laughs> uh, so it's cool. And then my feature also similarly inspired by the work that I was doing outside of the creative space because um, so I was a sex educator slash uh, sexual violence survivor advocate. And so my feature is called Go to the Body, and it is about um, a young Black couple dealing with the aftermath of a sexual assault. So it's about um, a Black woman who is a professional activist and political organizer, prison abolitionist who gets sexually assaulted by another activist. And it's kind of how she is dealing with that trauma and trying to avoid dealing with the criminal justice system because she is an abolitionist. And then her partner who is a, a boxer is also dealing with his own secondary trauma around that event because what a lot of people don't realize is that um, not just the survivor is impacted negatively by the bisexual assaults, also you know the people who are supporting them and witnessing that trauma through them, like that is a trauma itself. Uh, and I wanted to explore that. So both of them kind of have different ideas of what they think justice and healing is supposed to look like in the situation. And it causes a rift in the relationship. So uh, really excited about that. Like, it's unfortunately like a really evergreen topic. Like, we saw Promising Young Woman, which not my favorite, but um, Promising Young Woman was extremely popular and successful. And so was I May Destroy You. Like this is sadly something a lot of people relate to, but we don't necessarily get to see it through until like I May Destroy You through the lens of uh, Black women and women of color. Uh, and so, and through the lens of like secondary survivors and, and men. So all of that was percolating in my head. It's like, it's also a boxing film. It's, 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 it's a lot, but um, really glad that there is um, a lot of support behind it. Cause when I wrote it, I was kind of like, no one's gonna wanna produce this like 
weird sexual violence boxing movie and uh, immediately got producers and won a bunch of you know, awards and pitch competitions. And it's being executive produced by Bronwyn Cornelius who produced the film Clemency. She's really amazing. And um, it's in the hands of a very, very famous person at the moment who yay or nay, hopefully will um, executive produce as well. So uh, it's, it's going, it's moving along and I'm gonna direct it too. Ah, oh, that's really exciting. Yeah. Oh, that's that's amazing. And I, I you know, I think it's going to be really meaningful for a lot of our listeners hearing you talk about these particular topics. Um, and we'll be excited to hear a film like that is getting made because uh, Scotland is actually going through its own particular reckoning right now with these issues. And there's been a couple of moments of of, of justice for survivors, and and that's caused a ripple effect of people really addressing where we have not had protections and support in our rehearsal rooms and our sets and. And it's conversations that we've been part of and doing a lot of community support. So it's it feels very, very real and relevant for us right now. So I'm, I'm actually getting a little bit emotional talking about it. Cause so hearing you um, are writing something that's so vital and important, it's going to be meaningful for, meaningful for me. And I think it's going to be really meaningful for our listeners as well. So thank you Wow, telling us about it. Um, oh, well, thank you. And like, that's the other crazy thing that it is not only evergreen, but like, there's not a community and not a country in the world that has not been impacted by sexual violence. And maybe, you know, it looks different from community to community, but um, I think one of the reasons that uh, Promising a Woman was not my favorite is that it felt so broad. Like they did not really specify who this character was, what her community was. She was like super white. They like didn't address race or any type of other identity at all in, in the piece. Um, but even, but like the more specific you can't get with your storytelling, honestly, the more universal it becomes. And so I'm like, yeah, like this is a super, very black story about a very specific type of black community and it's very Chicago, but like, yeah, I, there's going to be people in Scotland and people in India and people you know, in rural America who still relate to it because I didn't just erase these people's identities completely kind of like they do in some films so because it's a human story yeah Mm -hmm. and it's it's something that is international it doesn't matter what village you are from or what city you are from and what continent country someone you know will have experienced it Yeah. yeah And for the folks that have like read it so far, and um, we shot a proof of concept for it because it was like, there's a huge, huge hill to climb raising this money, especially like I'm, you know, triple minority and the first time director and all of my producers are women and mostly people of color and just, you know, all these reasons for people to not want to give us money. So we're like, let's not even give them a reason to not want to give us money and we'll do this proof of concept. So there've been several, the script is in several people's hands and people have already gotten to see these characters come to life a little bit. And the biggest reaction I get is to the male partner's character, to Kendrick's character, because like of what you were just saying, like if you are not a survivor, you know a survivor. And there's been so many people who've had to support a, a friend or a partner or a loved one through this that so many people see themselves in 
Kendrick. And they're also like, I've never seen a black man that's been written this way either. Um, and so that's always really, that's like the biggest um, reward to me is when I get the feedback that they're like, I saw myself in a character in one of your pieces and I've never seen that part of myself or myself at all on screen. Um, and that was really, that always makes me really emotional to hear. Kira Jones, what does the phrase persistent and nasty mean to you? Ooh, it's a good one. I, I mean, persistent is pretty on, it, on its face, like is what it is. For me, it's like, I have never felt like I needed anyone's permission to do the work I wanted to do. Any type of real or perceived barrier that was in my way, I'm like, well, I'm going to find a way around it. Like, yeah, if you don't want to produce my film, then I'm going to produce it myself independently. Or if you don't, if I don't place in this competition, like it's not because I'm not a good writer, it's because that reader was an idiot and I'm going to find another competition where their reader's not an idiot. And I'm going to, you know, um, place in that one. And just um, there, I just constantly have to remind myself that one art is subjective, but also <laughs> this industry is incredibly discriminatory against women and people of color and disabled people and queer people, just anyone who's not a straight, yeah. white, rich man. And yeah. they have made it so that they, we as a society have been trained that those are the only stories that have value and that's stupid. And so I'm like, I, I will not let um, other people's limited view of what art should be stop me from making what I think the world needs to see. So that's what persistent means to me. Basically, screw straight white men. I'm going to do whatever I want. And <laughs> days. Please, yes. Yeah. Um, nasty for me, um, I think it's just being unapologetically yourself, even when it makes people uncomfortable. Uh, and for me, nasty in an even more specific context, being someone who writes so much about sexual pleasure um, and um, even you know, sexual violence and healing and things that people think are su not supposed to be put on screen or inappropriate. I'm like, great, like give, put, put that there because the shame that we build around those things actually leads to more harm. So you're not gonna make me feel like something that's extremely, um, normal and human and that so many people experience is something disgusting. Um, so for me, reclaiming nasty also means like reclaiming healthy sexuality and, and pleasure and, and making that uh, accessible in the world of film and television. She's so nasty. Eating stuff so it's like you get us speaking to actors or whatever, I think we're all the same. We're like, how are we going to get the work? Why is the work not coming in? And they go to London for work or auditions or whatever. Um, but like being in the side of production where I'm composing, making music, I'm like, why not? Because that's sort of like the, the working on the narrative in a sense, obviously, mm -hmm. as an narrative, but in production as a composer, you work on the narrative in a different way. Um, and I'm like, why? I need to create my own work. I need to, I need mm -hmm. to, because 
thing when you get someone that's like um, Jemima Levy or Cora Bissett and the way they create theatre is just like it's just so different it's like well there needs to be more more um, creatively just I don't like I'm trying to think of the right word not creative oh god that's right but just just the, 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 when it comes to theatre, they just try and think outside the box and think, what can we do to make this different? What can we do to make us stand out? How can we dress this stage? How, how can we make it sound? All this sort of stuff. And it's like, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'd love to be at the helm of that that creative journey and creating the, the narrative and creating... Because it's just like, oh, you know, it's like you're in a show and you're like, oh, imagine they did this or imagine they did that. That would be really daring. So, yeah, creatively daring, like more and more people like that and you get and I'm so inspired by like Michaela Cole and people that are yeah that aren't necessarily writers but they just get the opportunity she did it out of necessity she did it because she was she was in a I think she was in a drama college that was like trying to get her in a show in a shit part because obviously the shit part would have went to the black girl the one black girl and of course her and she was like she took the option to write her own thing and go and do her showcase in another side of another part of London like away from her classmates and she created something herself something different and I think she made chewing gum chewing gum yeah called something else at the time something I I can't remember but but somebody from Channel 4 just went to this random place to see a showcase away from the main I don't know what what college she went to but everybody was on one side of London like the trendy part doing their showcase she was in some back end hole of nowhere um, doing her her presentation that she wrote because she was like there's no part for me that's going to be interesting or excites me so I'm going to have to write it and I'm like do you know what do you know what I did the same thing with music I don't know what I'm doing still I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> but I'm going to try it because I want to do something I think we all want to do something creatively daring but I think a lot of people get they get in your own of, head I don't know uh, not distracted but there's all these constraints that are placed upon them either literally or like with funds or whatever where they're like oh no the story must do this and this must that and we need this character to look like this and sound like this and they need to be this sex they need to do be this gender or whatever and, and some people just go uh, no I'm going to do something different like I like um, Joe Douglas, he's he thinks that way as well. Just like mm. else and and Alan from Search, he's like that as well. He just like let's just do so. Like why the not? Why not? So I'm just inspired by people that are not necessarily writers that want to create something different and create something for themselves. So Michaela Cole ends up writing Trigum, then somebody in Channel Four picked it up and then encouraged her to write it in series form. And next minute she's a writer and because she put herself in that platform more visibility she got other work netflix and films and then she did something on bbc i think it was based around her assault that and i'm yeah. imagining that i think she wrote it because i think her story with her, she went she had an assault, assault happened to her um, i think when i'm looking at the is, is that what it is yeah yeah she did she talks about it at um festival two years ago she was one of the people at one of the big things for tv and film meeting at edinburgh festival and um she basically kind of went through this is what the industry needs to look at it was all kind of in the wake of the me too movement at, towards the end of like 2017 and then moving into 2018 and she basically she just said this happened to me this wasn't dealt with properly this 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 
but then these people were really supportive, blah, blah, blah. But this is what our industry needs to work on. Wow. Yeah. Like, I think she's incredible. Like, just... Yes, it's so stunning. She's so, like, how does she oh. look amazing? Like, even she looks the best window hair. <laughs> she, uh, yeah, stunning. Yeah. There's so, there's, there's so many people out there that, that are, there's so many examples of that, of people just like, well, I just wanted to create this. And, and because they were given that opportunity and they're not technically a writer, they come at it from a different approach, a different mm-hmm. angle. They don't have those constraints. They, they're not they're not necessarily tied to narrative the prescriptive narrative journey um they just go for they just create something like something different but in a sense i would imagine they're obviously guided by professionals that will sort of lean it in a way that more palatable makes it more creatively um so it's learning isn't it though yeah when i even like down on myself like oh you can't write what are you doing what are you doing you can't sing you can't do this you can't do that but i'll try it and then i'll fight those demons honestly Fight, I fight yeah. them. What do they do when, when that voice is like, you're crap, you're this. Just be like, I know I'm shit, shut the up. I know I'm shit. But do you know what? I'm just going to try it because. But you're not shit, though. But <laughs> you're not, though. Like, you're not. And I can say that because I've seen you on stage. You're not shit. Oh, that's so kind. But everybody has everybody has those doubts, and I, I, I of course, I, oh my god, as an actor, well, I think as performers, we eat at our own. It's the self saboteur, isn't it? As RuPaul talks about, and we are really, really bad for it. But like, when you when, don't you get, agree with those demons because you're not shit? Yeah, I have a fight with them. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I have a laugh with them. I'm like, yeah, I'm shit. Watch this. Look at this shitness. <laughs> <laughs> you it. need to just have a laugh and then I end up laughing at myself and I'm like what so the, the, the voice comes in I'm like well do you want to try it what can you can you even take oh haha well <laughs> oh well no so can you even take can you sing uh, no you can't so <laughs> wrap it exactly fight back that's what I say I you're like, oh, these voices and doubt or whatever. Fuck doubt. Fuck it. Everyone's got doubt. Everyone yeah. does. Thing we realise, even like in Maya Angelou, was talking about doubt and like people I love that are amazing, like Mazina, that have doubt and they're just incredible. You're just like, do you know what? Everyone's got it. Yeah. You just need to put yeah. on the base Why not? Do you know, usually when we finish off a podcast, I like to ask people um, what persistent and nasty means to them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I'm going to ask you. I mean, I'm just like, this whole podcast is everything that we stand for, and I love it. Um, but I'm going to ask you what it means to you. Oh, my God. Every day. Every day is just like, what can I get done? What can I achieve? And it never ends. It never ends. Like, I wake up, I have to do my, my yoga. I have to do my violin. It's just it's it's a continuous thing. So I am very I try to think I am persistent in that sort of case of trying to do my writing. Um, I just keep going. Um, but I don't know, like that that's the thing. Like I'm, I am I think I am very persistent. I just like in terms of um, attempting to better myself and do more and be more and, and why not? It's like so much inspiration around us to like be like oh try what they're doing see. And then sometimes you get the feeling you're like no I shouldn't try what they're doing. Or or just or or I don't know. Sometimes you get that situation, but it's like oh, they don't want to like 
you don't want me to do this, that's fine, I won't do it then. But um, but then give it a few months, if that voice comes back when it's like, oh, try this, why don't you try that? Like, it's, not, it's a good voice sometimes, it's like, oh, that's interesting, what's amazing? Um, but it's like, it's, it's, it's relentless for me, like, I'm, I'm, I'm always learning, I'm always watching videos on music theory, um, running scales and trying to understand scales in my voice, on the violin, on the piano, and it's it's never ending, but it's like when people say, because I'm not, I don't work all the time, so it's like periods of downtime between shows but in those times I'm persistently consistently improving I have to because I can't do the next job with the same same knowledge I had from the last job so in in the interim I'm always trying to better myself and and I love that she's so nasty you know the publishing industry certainly isn't perfect um it's definitely too white it's definitely too middle class but the changes that are happening are really heartening. And we are seeing much more representation on TV. Um, my guilty pleasure TV watch, actually, <laughs> but I love it, um, is Wentworth. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like so the remake of, of is remake the, is of Prisoners. Prisoner, Prisoner, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's so it's all such, those 90s teenagers are yeah. like, Prisoners, they'll blog it, know it. But for people who don't know it, it's set in an Australian women's prison. Um, and as you would imagine, it's really gay. Um, but because there are so many characters who are either are established queer or fall in love with women over their time there, um, they can get away with so much. You can kill off queer female characters because you're not killing off the only one. You know, yeah. you can have, you know, their, their overall big villain um, is the former governor who is... I think it's never explicitly stated that she's a lesbian, but but is. Um, and she's this terrifying, slightly predatory woman. But you can have that because there are so many other lesbians and bi women and a trans man later on in the show. You can have that, you can have, you can do all the dramatic um, plot advancey, breaking the hearts of viewers stuff, um, provided you've got enough the cast of characters that you're not killing off or doing terrible things to the only minorities yeah and that just made me think i just i just want to kind of yeah live in that world where i can get invested in something and not feel like i'm about to like my one bit of representation is about to be used for ratings fodder yes yeah and it's also things like you know when you've got a group of friends and there's the one token queer person there it's like no it might start out like that, but something else is going to come out in a few years. So give me a, show me a group of, you know, five female friends who are straight, start out straight and sit at, and if they're still, you know, female and straight five years down the line. Oh my like God. that's, and that's, <laughs> looking at like Sex in the City, I'm just like, seriously, none of you have transitioned? That's not like my friendship group at all. Um, or maybe there's five Samantha left. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, I mean. This is not relevant to what we were talking about, but I, Somebody said, I think it was on TikTok, and it was the most savage thing I've ever seen, was that the reason Samantha left is because um, while she was part of their main friendship group, they were never part of her main friendship group. <sighs> they weren't her best friends. And I was just like, oh. Savage, and I love it. <laughs> I love it. Love it. I have so many things that I could say about um, Sex in the City and... Uh... The, the comeback of it's an interesting one and I think the thing for me that um 
that really hit me was it reminded me of how much of a prude Carrie always was. Like how deeply sex negative somebody who ostensibly wrote about sex for a living would be. Yeah. It's because she's the character who is the audience is meant to identify with. She's the audience yeah. surrogate. Um, you know, she's not prim like Charlotte or career obsessed like Miranda or completely sex obsessed like Samantha. She's the one, one we're meant to think of as normal. So mm-hmm. the things that she doesn't consider normal are the things we're not meant to consider normal. Yeah. Um, and there's that, there's a moment, and I think it's the first episode, when she's sort of dismissive and squeamish about anal sex. And it's like, okay, I mean, you're in your 50s now, just chill out. Yeah. Like whatever you, obviously as people, we can like whatever you like, but as, a, as an audience, identify a character. That's really problematic. Well, also, like, what I find with that as well is, you know, she was asked about um, masturbation. Yeah. And got all embarrassed about it. And I think for me, I was kind of, you know, how old would I have been when Sex and the City first came out? Maybe 15? Yeah. And at the time, a show with four women in the lead like talking about sex like it was really it was you know it kind of held them to that idea of like powerhouse females now I have got to try to go back and watch sex in the city and been like oh my god it's so fucking misogynistic yeah like and then kind of going okay I'm trying to keep it in its little box of for mm. when it was but then I think I just found like I found episode one my friends actually said it she was like they're kind of all they've made them pathetic yeah. and that in- infuriated me as well because it was like so what you get to 55 and as a female, that's your pathetic. I don't know any woman that's happened to, though. I don't know. No. All, all the women I know get fucking more, more amazing. Magical. They have gotten yeah. more open about talking about stuff. It's, yeah. And again, it's reinforcing this idea that um, being not politically correct, but politically aware um, and comfortable in your body is something that's just for the younger generation. It's a phase yeah. that we'll grow out of. Essentially, we all go back to, you know, our um unwoke sex negative roots and it's just depressing and also the whole bit with Miranda and the I mean we're now doing a review yeah uh, <laughs> it's just like that but the whole section with Miranda in her class yeah I was like I, I, just it. I haven't seen the full thing because I just couldn't my cringe kicked into bad okay way. so I sh- I I don't want to kind of say too much but basically there's a whole moment where her lecturer is a woman of colour and it's just and Miranda keeps saying all these things and the whole time I was watching I was like I don't believe this because the woman that is Miranda would be educated on this stuff because she always would be it's it was very it was very strange and it felt like they're doing that to make a point as well oh yeah yeah they felt like lots of yeah I mean don't get me wrong I'm very here for the whole um Arc with Sarah Ramirez, Pay and is just insanely hot. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have picked somebody up at a funeral, but okay. <laughs> no, actually, you know what? My funeral, I just wanted to be a big free-for-all flirt session. Um, yeah, but the kind of the bi visibility of things, which is quite we were talking about in a uh, lesbian vi- visibility. I've just finished watching Hacks. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Yes, I have. Um, it's not as much that I've seen it as that um, my wife watched it and then about her third rewatch in the space of about two days, I managed to get time with her to sit down with it. Um, and now I think I've been left for Jean Smart. I mean, yeah, I think there's a whole bunch of people who have been left for Jean Smart. And that's, I'm okay with it. I can't, I can't complain. Like, fair enough. I would, I would be at the front I'm, of that queue. Such a brilliant, 
I mean, I feel like I can't say anything half as intelligent as, as she would say about it. Um, but it's so, it's a beautiful, beautiful dynamic between those two characters. It really is. And what I love is that they're both messy, yeah. but with heart and they've both got damage and they're both trying to heal in different ways. And it's raw and real that women very rarely get to be. Exactly. If you compare that to, you know, I think the the natural correlation to that is The Devil Wears Prada, where you had that similar age gap, similar dynamic in a lot of ways. Um, and obviously they're both lesbian love stories, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you stop The Devil Wears Prada at a certain point, it becomes the best lesbian one from all time, I'm just saying. Um, it's the different ways in which we've come from having the terrifying older woman figure to being not necessarily nurturing, but being allowed to be human. Mm-hmm. That she, Miranda Priestley was someone we were meant to be scared of. Yeah. Um, but Deborah is somebody that we're meant to admire and feel for, and she gets to be a complete person, as does yeah. Ava. It's so rare. Yeah. And I think for yeah. all its flaws, the bold type did that quite nicely as well. Yes, it did. It absolutely did. Yes, I agree. I was going to just mention the bold type as well. Um, I have seen quite a few things that there is uh, obviously stanning of uh, Ava and Deborah and hope yes. for a relationship in series two. I, 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 I don't. I think they'll at least continue playing with it. Oh, I hope they do play with I don't it. Think they're going to. I don't think they're going to back down from that. From from playing with the tension there. I hope they play. I hope they continue to play with it, and um, I think there's something really interesting in the possibility of seeing that kind of a a May December relationship between two women that we don't always get to see either. True, it's massive. So my wife Lola Keeley um, is a lesbian, a lesbian romance writer, um, and age gap romances are huge in lesbian romance, um, and I think it is that mixture of actually getting to see two different generations being presented as real people Mm. I know that you listen to the podcast so you know why we're called persistent and nasty so we are getting to that point where I ask you Kate Welsh what does persistent and nasty mean to you see I feel like I should have had this perfectly formed answer to that question already um but it just I think even from the first time that I heard it um as the title it resonated with me really deeply obviously there are those um it's a reference to you know um key political sort of quotes from the yeah. past decade um but and it's the reason that those quotes became so embedded in our consciousness as well um these are the two things women were never allowed to be we're never allowed to be stubborn just bloody pig-headed and We've never been allowed to just stick to our course of action despite so many people, i.e. men, telling us that we're wrong. Um, if we step out of line, if we criticise somebody, or if we act, act in a way that's deemed to be unfeminine, we're nasty, we're unpleasant, there's that sexual connotation to it, um, and bring it the fuck on. If you enjoy the Persistent and Nasty podcast and support the work that we do, please like, download, subscribe and review each episode. It really does help us get our message out and our incredible guests heard to as many people as possible. Do you know what? I think Scotland still doesn't value the stories of women.
like uh, we we've got like an in, ingrained and insidious in it's the john knox it's the effect. john knox man it's like it's yeah. still here and like yeah it, we don't it's, it's like it doesn't have cultural currency it's like there's nothing exciting going on in women's lives they're not they're not in the spheres of like power that we want to see stuff about in scotland which is total bullshit but it's still there um and how you know like that's why the panoptican was great because it put like a woman at the center who was wild and brilliant and you're just like they are there (laughs) fucking hell like how how are we that's sometimes where in the like the way that you want to shake a family member like i just want to like get hold of scotland and shake it hard and go like yeah the, we've, we've still got some like pretty high prizing of masculinity like we love to crown, yeah. we love to crown men you know what i mean still yeah. now yeah we, we absolutely do i mean you look at it even just in film and telly you look at all the men that you can think of scottish men who are really successful mm-hmm. there's lists of them mm-hmm. And then when you think about women, you can maybe only think about one or two that, that, that a lot of people would know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and that in itself. And also something else that you were talking about earlier, and Amisha brought it up, and it gives me hope, especially when I think about how things are changing, because Scotland has this idea, again, ingrained in us, that we're not good enough. Yeah, the tall poppy syndrome thing yeah totally and then there's also that thing of we can be really bad when somebody is successful at just remember where you came from yeah I know I, I it's like this thing in Scotland where it's like I don't want to be wanky but and and as as I was like coming up through the arts I was like no nah, I want to be like really wanky <laughs> like fuck yous like how dare you say I'm pretentious I'm gonna make the weirdest like high art bullshit you know because <laughs> why shouldn't I too you know yeah. like it's the thing of like um yeah how we can't knock ourselves back at any opportunity because everyone else will I remember when I started work at the Royal Court I had this like very you know my family are very west coast even though I was brought up in Edinburgh and I sort of very self-deprecating sense of humor so I was constantly putting myself down because that's like how you speak to each other isn't it um no <laughs> not in London it isn't and everyone was like wow Debbie's like really depressed and low confidence and you know and like came and had a talk with me about it and I was just like oh no these are just like not reading my my form I mean you know like I thought it was pretty decent you know <laughs> like I've got a really good job I was getting paid for it I had a desk um so it's that thing where I yeah I definitely stopped self-deprecating so much but actually like you know it's something to watch isn't it how do you keep mm. that humor and that like I love the fact that we're not jumped up wankers but as a broad as a broad statement um, but yeah, we also have to walk out boldly and, and like stand in our two shoes and not be that little like frustrated knot of a country that's like always smaller than England and it's always not England, right? We're not not England, we're Scotland. We've got to be like this this other thing. Um, it's it's definitely- finding the beauty in that, isn't it? And the power in that of being, okay. of being that. And I think like what Misha was saying and I think are you like can I say younger generation because obviously you are younger than me Mish. um I, I do give me such hope though yeah I see a shift in your generation and below that it, I don't think is in my like I can say in my generation as a whole I think there's quite a few of us that are like that mm. but as a whole like your generation really excites me that mm. a shift is coming I really hope so this is kind of like taking it back a, a, a sm- small step now but it is the difference between having a chip on your shoulder and letting that like weigh you down mm. and 
using something that's pissed you off to like light a flame under your arse and like use it to fight and like knock other people's like chips off their shoulders it's that kind of thing for me of like we we can sometimes get caught up in like holding ourselves down yeah okay do you know um uh dbcpr he's a writer who what's his massive book i can't remember his massive book but he uh, come on brain work but he wrote a book called release the bats um like writing your way out of it and it's about like being a writer but he always says this thing about everything is rocket fuel so like you know uh, a bit of pain comes to you it's rocket fuel a bit of prejudice comes to you it's rocket fuel like it's all it's that's the best thing about in any way being an artist and whatever your form is right it's all like turn you can turn it into something else as you also try and make the world better those two things can stand side by side and those become your superpowers oh yeah massively and it, it's hard though it's hard because like it, it's cost you right and there's trauma involved and there's you know there's all that stuff but absolutely you have to like the thing that you that you are trying to squash because the world is is the, is absolutely the superpower even as simple like for just my personal life like um as someone with a disability who like very much kept silent about it because of the ableism of the industry it's now become like a core way in how i work it's become something that i'm public about it's become um a passion it's become a, a way of connected to so many fascinating brilliant people it's become a lens through which i see the world and it's in all my art so and absolutely like squashed that down kept away from it didn't put the word disabled anywhere near me um and now it's something brilliant and i just like i just want to like speak to every person be like what's that thing for you like what is it what's the thing that you're afraid to say because it's definitely the root of the thing that's going to be like the loudest most brilliant thing about you you know Yes. That's all. I just, yes. Just so much yes. <laughs> and so it be. <laughs> and so it be. And so be. I am officially in love with you. I'll take it. I hope that everyone is like listening to this podcast feels as electrified as I do. Because personally, I want to go and like run a few laps around the block and like. <laughs> couple trees just to be like look at my fucking angry like female passion power and sing I probably oh, you were going to say pussy power just because you're okay <laughs> and I was like oh my pussy power <laughs> yeah I just I I feel so energized and electrified by this um mm -hmm. so I hope that everyone else listening feels the same because what an amazing hour I know the back, back at you back at you all i want to hear is your thoughts on change and that that's like i've taken notes i hope that was okay because like <laughs> that that's all like that is all i ever do want to do is like hear that and make it all happen you know so um it's been a two-way running laps around the street <laughs> <laughs> event <laughs> no i'm gonna cry again can't hug you i'm just gonna do this like a weird zoom hug that's occurring i'm sure you can imagine it if you can't see oh dear. <laughs> it's, it's what everybody wants to do like yeah. if you're in lockdown it's like you see the people that you want to see like that you you love oh. want to hug them i know it's made yeah. me i mean i always knew i was a very tactile person but it's made me realize how yeah i am like, like and i'm super lucky that i have somebody in the house yeah no same right right I mean he is still here which is good yeah yeah <laughs> I haven't killed him yet 
That is the great lockdown test. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It really is. But um, yeah, I just miss hugging other people. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be real inappropriate. Like, I'm probably going to get in trouble when we're allowed to be back in rooms with people because it's just like, Louise, that's, stop. Like, <laughs> stop stopping my hair. Yeah, you no. need to stop. <laughs> Boundaries, Louise. Remember, remember that's important to you. <laughs> that's why I'm sitting with this cat because I knew oh. that I was needing that little bit of, like, like, love and, like, hug. I'm like, my sister's next door, but it's not the same. <laughs> It is good that um, demons from the hell dimension can be that loving and huggable. Like, it is, it is good. Because it's not a cat. It's an intense cat. It's an intense cat. But I like it as a statement, you know. It's a political statement, so... Yeah, it really, it, it really is. Um, Debbie, you probably know what question we're going to ask you at the end, but I kind of feel like the entire episode is going to be the answer to this question. Far <laughs> back. What does persistent and nasty mean to you um it means yeah totally the whole episode (laughs) bang on um it means an un an unwavering commitment no matter how hard it is to changing things for the better because you know that you can and because we've all got each other's backs to do it um so i'm with you and i'm going to be a fucking hard ass and otherwise known as persistent and nasty I mean, oh my God, um, <laughs> love for you has grown again. <laughs> if you were in Scotland, I might be stalking you. <laughs> <laughs> stalking and boundaries, 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 <laughs> those things that you forgot about. Anyway, um, oh my God. I should, does anybody have anything else to say? I mean, honestly. Then I can't do anything right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could talk to you for hours more, Debbie. I think, to be honest, I think genuinely, also we should. Like, I know your podcast is going to finish, but like, <laughs> but let's a bit let's talk more. That's all I'd yeah. want to leave on. Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> it's it's, it's oh. truly my privilege to hear it. So thank you. Thank you, and thank, thank you, you for being here. Yeah, thank you everyone for listening to this uh, kick-ass episode. And until next time, stay, stay nasty. nasty. So excited. <laughs>